Today on the show, we have Kevin Sampson, a video producer, film critic, and father of two. But I think it makes me better because I'm very efficient. Like, I can't play with the time that I have because when I do have some free time, like, I need to make the most of it. Kevin also chats about his attempts to build a brand and reach an audience. What I hope I can do is just be my own little microphone in this film industry and especially be the champion for indie filmmakers. Media on the Radio is a podcast that features conversations with media professionals. Everyone from creators of media to those who do the marketing and distribution. This is Devin Gallagher, host of Media on the Radio, and thanks for listening. And you and I are are good friends, full disclosure. You you might say best. You might say the best of friends. Best of friends, yeah. And we have conversations about life, projects, and and visions and aspirations in the future. And I want to know where it all started for you. I want to know what your college experience was like. Did you study film? Yeah, so I... uh... Grew up in South Carolina, Columbia, South Carolina, to be precise. Uh, and so when I went to college, I went to the University of South Carolina, go Gamecocks. I studied media arts. Your parents are always telling you, get a get a good job. And my dad was like, computer science is going to be the way to go. Uh, <laughs> but that wasn't what I was passionate about. I was actually in uh, high school. It was theater. But I realized I'd rather be behind the camera than in front of the camera. So switched over to media arts. I never changed my major all four years. I uh, loved it. Film uh, is just something that like I've loved since I was a kid. So uh, it only made sense to study that in college as well. I, I majored in uh, media arts. I had a cognate, which is really like a minor in theater. I, I never did any stage stuff in, in college, uh, but I did study Shakespeare. I didn't know that. <laughs> I did. Can you do any? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> just a just like a one line. Bro, I promise you. <laughs> I don't I don't remember <laughs> Shakespeare. In college, did you have a target? Did you have in your mind's eye what your dream job would be? I knew I wanted to be a filmmaker, but honestly, like when I think back about college, I did I had no idea what I was doing. I had a brief stint as a CEO of a record label, The Look Entertainment, co-CEO with my brother. And uh, so we had a hip-hop group, The Elements. Uh, Shout out to the guys. They're still doing things, and uh, they just put out uh, mezzanine music. But, yeah, so it was cool. There was a time when I opened up for Kanye West, Lupe Fiasco, 112, The Glory Days. So I was really kind of all over the place. Like, I thought I might be a rapper, right? But then at the same time, I wanted to be a filmmaker. I had drive. I had ambition. But I think in some ways I played around a little too much in college instead of like being focused like I one thing that I I know like now that I always tell younger people is if you have a passion for something like go after that and and really try to achieve it and experiment as much as possible while you're under the umbrella of college where there's no real like responsibilities you don't have to pay your loans back yet you can kind of you know take chances take risks so you did pick something because you went on to grad school, and I know that you've got your MFA in film from AU. What would you say about the program? I know that a graduate degree can be expensive. Do you think that it gave you what you needed moving forward and in the future? 
Yeah, I think uh, I've had a lot of conversations about this with people that not just uh, are filmmakers, but like microbiologists and doctors, stuff like that. But for film, it's one of those things where you really have to find your way. There's no set way to do it. A lot of times you can go to L.A., you can work your way up from Grunt or whatever. I truly do think there's no set way to go from A to Z. It's kind of a find your own path. So that being said, what I wanted to leave grad school with was the confidence to be able to make a film, the confidence to go on set and know what I was doing, um, no matter what role I was playing. And I got that. And I think the other big thing about grad school is the network. You know, you get to meet people that are like minded. And so now, you know, I have a friend that's uh, that worked on Breaking Bad and now is on Better Call Saul. And then I have a friend that just finished his first uh, feature. I got a friend out in L.A. that's doing cinematography. So it's like you get that network. Um, it's an expensive piece of paper, <laughs> but uh, hopefully one of these days it'll uh, it'll pay back some kind of way. Yeah, and I think you can't really put a price tag on something. I mean, you know, you can, I guess, right. <laughs> in relative <laughs> terms, but you can't really put a price tag because it's also you got to think about it: the exponential growth and also the compounded growth of you know. Yeah, maybe it's it's a real struggle paying back those loans in the first five ten years. I agree. I think it also it it also depends on how hard you apply yourself afterwards, right? Because if you don't uh, apply the skills that you used, then it becomes like, oh, why did I do that? But if you actually, you know, go after it, then it makes it worth it. For me, I was never I was never good in school. I never liked having a lot of structure. I liked working on my own pace and my own projects, and that can take a little bit longer to achieve maybe uh, the skills or, or the or the confidence that you need to, to do the same thing. Yeah. Um, but it kind of worked for me. You and I sat down, I think it was months ago now, where we did the KevDev <laughs> chat, right. where we had kind of a real talk for, for about an hour about our life. It's something that we do a lot, and I wanted to just bring up as well that you also, probably at the tail end of, of your graduate degree, you also started a family, um, had a daughter, Ella, and then since then has have had a second child, KJ. Alex and I, we got, uh, we got married in grad school. Ella didn't come until a little bit after grad school, and it was actually right before I started working here at Arlington Independent Media. But yeah, it's, it's definitely a blessing, man. I love my kids. I love my wife. I love my family. And, and truth be told, sometimes I do feel like I'm fighting in this field with one arm tied behind my back versus, you know, the person that, you know, doesn't have a family and doesn't have, you know, have to go grab the kids uh, from daycare at five. You know, like it, it, it's it's a different struggle, but I think it makes me better because I'm very efficient, like I can't play with the time that I have because when I do have some free time, like I need to make the most of it. I know what it means to like stay up late at night to to put together a show or to get my questions together, to write my reviews, whatever the case may be. So, you know, like you said, the family is a blessing. Not everyone is able to have a family, a wife, kids, um, and, and all the fun that that brings. And then at the same time, it's a blessing because it's, For somebody like me that likes to procrastinate as an artist or whatever, like it really helped me to really focus and 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 know kind of like my limitations and 
um, even how I can bust through my limitations to do even better. So, Have you heard that procrastination is a sign of intelligence? <laughs> I haven't heard that one. I tell my wife, Allison, all that, that all the time because if you delay decisions or if you de- delay work, it's because you're kind of waiting for all the information you need to make a decision or to, to do the work that you're going to do. I don't know if that's true or not. Probably. I've been a, but does it make you feel better? Yeah, I've been a genius <laughs> all my life then. <laughs> okay, so we also talked about the idea of living to work versus working to live. I think for you and I, you know, just as artists, there's something in us that, like, we, we have this energy that we just want to get out, you know, like this creative energy and, th- and that we want to get out. And then when, w- when we don't get it out, then you feel stifled. You feel uh, not... Like you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And so to go kind of to your point in terms of like writing down all these different schemes, like I I think we've talked before, like I have notebooks full of different ideas and I have like a spreadsheet full of different um, documentary ideas, short film ideas, feature narrative ideas. And what I'm learning now in life, which is pretty cool, is that when I document all that, my brain slowly marinates on it. And so sometimes it's not until a few years later that one of those ideas actually becomes tangible and then I'm able to do it. But plus, since I've had time to think about it subconsciously uh, and consciously. It's funny. I used to sit and just think before I had an iPhone. Back in college, I remember just sit on my bed and just kind of think and and kind of daydream about ideas or visions or whatever and I was talking to my sister her her fiance is very much like this he can he's a great cook and he can build things and he can you know he visualizes stuff and he just can create and she said she came home one time and he was just sitting on the couch tv wasn't on and she was like what are you doing you know Mm -hmm. and he said oh I'm thinking about how to build that bookshelf over there (laughs) And he was just sitting there for a half hour and, and kind of working it out in his head. And, you know, mathematicians, I'm sure, do this where they just kind of sit and think and everything's going on in your brain. And I, I, f- I do find that the stress that I feel is the the lack of, of time to really sit and think. And because I'm getting – because I have more knowledge and I'm older and I'm better at the skills that I've developed, I feel like that's a, a good crutch to have. But – it doesn't replace that that necessary quiet time of of actually writing something down or or working working something out before you actually do it. Speaking of making something a reality that was just a dream inside your head, you've developed um, a website and a TV show and a podcast called Picture Lock. Can you run us through the, the evolution of that and, and what that is? What it started out was as was uh, just a blog so that I could do movie reviews and things like that. Then working here, I was like, you know, has there been a movie review show? And they said, yeah, but it's been a while. And so I was like, why not take this blog and actually do a TV show where I can uh, sit down with people and talk about film, um, break down classic films and uh, films that are, you know, just come out in theaters and things like that. And since then, it's kind of morphed into this awesome thing where uh, I'm actually able to t- sit down with local filmmakers um, or do phoners or Skypes with people from L.A. and things like that. So it's been pretty awesome um, just 
seeing it go from what, hey, I just thought I'm going to do this blog and then it actually turned into a TV show and a podcast and all that good stuff. So I feel like I have a resident film critic just at my disposal at any <laughs> point. And so recently I we were getting coffee and I was like, I was going to go see a movie. So I said, well, what do you recommend? There's so many good movies out. And you, you gave me a recommendation. I would have had to do all this research, go on Rotten Tomatoes, go find this <laughs> other information. But I have the source right right, right there. Doing the film criticism, are, are you worried about people seeing you as a film critic and not a filmmaker? One thing that I've started to learn is that many of the times life takes us through different paths, but they all compound together in some kind of way. So I think it's given me a lot of validity in the community because people do see me as a voice uh, with whether it's movie reviews or especially championing the indie filmmaker. And that's something that I love to do. And obviously here at Arlington Independent Media, I'm the director of the Rosebud Film Festival, and we really try to highlight, uh, you know, 20 directors um, that have uh, just great films that are experimental, innovative, deeply personal. Uh, so, so it all comes together. Um, and I think I really love being a critic. I love being a host. And I would never have known that if I hadn't done it. Do I think that filmmaking will come together with that? Yes, of course. And when it does, um, I think I'll definitely be ready. I, I, I was able to shoot a short um, still shoot music videos and I want to shoot my feature. That's my Moby Dick, my whale. But for right now, I feel like, uh, this path of being a critic and a host, um, is really opening doors for me. And, and I'm fine with that. And I like that. And hopefully, you know, down the road, 10 years from now, I'll be, you know, Kevin Sampson, the, the critic, the host. Um, and then in the, on the summer, I'm like shooting a movie. <laughs> that would be like the dream for me. If someone followed you around with a camera, shooting picture lock and and putting together the the people to help you put out reviews and you writing reviews and you're going seeing movies, the amount of hours that you spend on that is starts to add up. And one one thing someone could say is, why are you doing this? It's not making you any money right now. Um, where is this all going? Uh, I hope she doesn't kill me, but I think my wife has asked that. <laughs> why are you doing this? <laughs> Where's the money at? I promise, babe, it, it'll, it'll come one so, day. So, so master plan, like projection, w- where do you think it'll lead where n- not only is it sustainable and you're, you're kind of being paid for your time, but why is it important even indirectly that you're doing this? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, whatever you're passionate about, you don't have to get paid to do it, right? I'm passionate about film. I'm passionate about the indie filmmaker, and I really don't have to get paid to do it. It would be nice and Hopefully that'll happen eventually. But I think you and I have talked about this before. It's the maturation process. It's the struggle. It's the journey to get there. If it was just handed to you, it's like, hey, here, Kevin, have your own show and we'll give you, you know, $100,000 a year to do it. It would suck. <laughs> like, I wouldn't know what I'm doing. But it's been awesome to have this time, you know, doing Picture Lock, where if you look at episode one, I probably stuttered through most of it. I didn't know how to ask questions. Uh, 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 uh. And when people would say, thanks for having me on, I'd be like, uh, no problem. <laughs> like, it's little things That's like that. That's what I'm learning now. Right. <laughs> you have to learn how to be a host. You got to learn uh, the business behind it. If it was given to me, then 
I wouldn't appreciate the learning process. Plus, I would not have learned. For right now, I, I, I'm definitely excited about where I am. Of course, you can go to PictureLockShow.com to get the best in <laughs> movie reviews, news, and interviews. And then uh, I'm starting a new one, DMVFilmmaker.com. And that's really going to focus on filmmakers and filmmaking in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. Um, it's a little top secret right now, but maybe by the time the podcast released, um, the website will not just say coming soon. But I'm really excited about that, and I think it's going to be an awesome way to be able to highlight the filmmaking in this region. So, And I, I feel like uh, there's got to be somebody to do it because no one's really doing it right now, and I am the guy for the job. The reason I was I was playing devil's advocate with that question is that the idea of you have to build a brand and you have to build the network that, that supports it and you have to become vital. You can't just wake up one day and be vital to a community and to, uh, you know, a market. It, you have to build that over time and that's something that it seems like um, is is kind of happening now and it seems like it will never, it, it seems insurmountable and it will never achieve what you want it to. But everybody that's been ever been successful has has chipped away at it. The only reason that that matters to me, like followers or likes or Facebook likes, whatever, I actually want when uh, people come on the show t- to know and to feel like, hey, someone's going to hear, you know, what I'm saying. And this matters. And so I want them to matter. And so to me, like, because we got so much talent in this area and not only that, some of the, the films that I actually do that are, you know, um, bigger bigger budget, you know, some of them are great and people need to see it. But like what we were talking about earlier, the film that I uh, suggested you see, um, Spotlight, it's like some people might not go to see it, but it's amazing. And so sometimes instead of waiting until award season when suddenly you hear it all the time, if I can help to expose it before then then I'd love to be the person to do that. What you're also projecting is the idea that the DC film industry has a lot of potential to grow. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. We're not LA, we're not New York, but we, we still are a big city. Obviously, you know, the center of politics. And we have so much potential. There's so many film festivals. There's so many filmmakers. We're not always heard of like New York or L.A., like our big brothers, uh, big brothers or sisters. (laughs) We have so much potential. We do. Can you think of a role model even now that you look at and say, this person is doing it right. They've been able to monetize their dream. They they live the lifestyle that that I want to live. You know, honestly, I haven't really thought about that as much when it comes to the fact that what I want to do is – is kind of like different and no I I don't really have anybody that I can look to that's like doing it. I think when I do think about someone that has taken a passion and 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 made it become something great, somebody like Chris Hardwick uh taking the Nerdist podcast and you know hosting uh Talking Dead and you know all the different things that he's able to do now because of uh of his passion. Um I think that's definitely someone that I I guess I would I could look to that has something like that. Yeah, but that's a great question. Yeah, it's one of those things where I feel like I I should have that. And especially with the idea of the lifestyle. Not that I've done it, but I don't think it's that hard if you work intensely 
on something just to make money, if the goal is just to make money, and that's an that's an admirable goal, I think. I mean, if you're trying to to make money for your family and everything else, but to also maintain a certain lifestyle and have that time for the family and have that time to travel and to do other things. I think that's what kind of everyone is indirectly kind of looking for. And it's hard to design that life. As my children go to daycare, and sometimes I just think about it, I'm like, man, you know, somebody else spends more hours during the week with them while they're awake than I do. And I don't like that. I'd rather be, you know, spending a lot more time with my kids. And I think it's great. I think it's helpful. I love where they go for daycare. I think everything that they're learning and the way that they're just blossoming is amazing. But like you're saying, that lifestyle, oh, man, just to be able to be like, oh, let's pick up and let's go here. I can still, you know, write reviews or do some interviews on the road or whatever. Um, That would be amazing, you know. Speaking for myself, I I think that that would definitely be um, cool and that would be like uh, the life but being able to balance where you can have great family time and you can really um, establish great memories and and for me personally you know family comes first and I want my kids to to be able to look back at their childhood and just remember me being there whether it was at a soccer game or you know cheerleading or whatever the case may be like hey my dad was there So the last thing I want to talk about is something that we go back and forth on. And if I look back in college, this was something that I was, I was, I have to say I was pretty good at that I've kind of fallen off from in, in, and as I get better at what I do and that's, that's receiving feedback. Maybe it was because I didn't feel like I knew anything and feedback I saw as a gift when I was in, (laughs) in college and I really was able to do a good job of interpreting it and, and applying it. And not feeling any any type of slight or you know personality associated with it. Recently, I've been a little bit more protective of myself, and that's something that I feel like you and I have been getting really good at giving and receiving feedback. And sometimes it's not always pleasant. We try. I try to be pleasant, and I, I'm not always. And you try and be pl- pleasant. But at the end of the day, what I feel like is the importance. The important part is that we give and receive it. Yeah. <laughs> Not to get too religious, but there's a scripture that says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And I think that's really important because uh, you you need feedback, right? No matter what, like, no matter how good you get at something, like even Denzel, he still takes acting classes. I'm sorry, Denzel Washington, what are you taking? You know, like, that doesn't make any sense. But he understands the fact that, like, you need that feedback. If if, if you don't, I was listening to a, a podcast uh, recently, um, Sam Jones on camera. He was talking to William H. Macy. William H. Macy was talking about how, you know, he had gotten to this point in life where, you know, he doesn't have to audition anymore and things like that. So he really kind of lost his way in terms of the craft. Um, and then one day he just kind of woke up and was like, ah, you know, like I'm not really trying, you know? Um, and, and so I think that if you don't have that humble spirit and you don't have that attitude of, Hey, what can I do to improve? You know, like, um, you're going to eventually plateau. And so even for the shows that I do here now, I ask my directors after it, you know, how did I do? 
what could I improve on? Was it clear the questions that I was asking? Um, what was the how was the banter? What was the tone? You know, like I'm always open to that feedback because it's only going to help me to get better. And if you don't uh, seek after feedback, then you're not going to get better at whatever it is you're doing. You're you're worried about you being way off the mark. My wife Allison has been this kind of voice for a while and has been in the past a creative soundboard for me. And it's funny because your mind, if you get stuck in your own head and you don't really know that you're getting stuck in your own head and you come up with these ideas and they're just completely off. That's something that I plan on working on as we come up to the new year, really trying to find and seek out some role models and some people that are two, five, 10 years ahead of me because nothing that we're going through is really that new. You know, there's there's always some sort of I was just talking to a photographer that was talking about her business and, and you know, where she hit a rut and where you know what you have to kind of plan for in terms of if, if you're doing freelance and, and, and putting away a certain mo- amount of money every year for when it does slow down. And and just just those those ideas are, are pretty universal. The one thing that I am definitely uh, more passionate about these days is. When I have some kind of a vision, when I have this energy in my soul that's just like, oh, you have to do this, I really try to let people in and just a small number of people to say, hey, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I want to do. But at the same time, I got to understand that sometimes people are really quick to say, no, you can't do that. And just not to listen to that, like because if it's on your heart to do it, uh, most of the time it's probably something that's put there for a reason. So learning to not listen to all the people that say no and not to have a team full of yes men. But you know what I mean? Like you can't just get discouraged like, oh, somebody said I couldn't do that. Like if everybody did that, then there's so many different things in the world that, you know, we wouldn't have now because, you know, somebody said, oh, no, you can't do that. And a lot of times I think going back to take this conversation full circle, I think that a lot of times in life. Um, because of our fear of stepping out of the box, our fear of the unknown, our fear of, oh, this won't make money, our fear of, you know, I got to go to college and then I'll get a job and then whatever, that stifles us and it limits our growth. And it has us turn away from things that actually would probably be awesome, but we're too afraid to actually step out there and do. So... Um, with the feedback, you take it, take what you want, leave behind what you don't. But then at the same time, like trusting your gut and your instinct of this is a great idea and I want to see it come to fruition. I know that you've been trying to get people coming out of college to write reviews for you. What are you looking for for someone that might be 21 that, that might have some writing chops that, you know, wants to, wants to be, play a part? Yeah, uh, no, thanks for asking, Dev, because I definitely am looking for um, writers, uh, people that really want to shot. What I'm looking for is um, somebody that's passionate about film. Right now we're at the end of the year uh, for 2015, so I'm inundated with screeners and online screeners and uh, all these things, and I can't watch them all. So uh, as my crew of, of writers slowly, slowly uh 
builds. Um, I'm looking for, for new writers, people that are passionate about film, people that have their own unique view on film. Um, and that's not just movies, but TV as well. Um, so please uh, check out the website. You can get in contact with me. Uh, get in contact with me through the website. And then I'm also looking to highlight the indie filmmaker. So if you have a, a film that you want to get some media buzz on, please, if you go to picturelockshow.com, you can check out uh, the tab. It says, come on the show. Um, always looking to do have people in studio if you live in the DMV area, Skype interviews. What I hope I can do is just be my own little microphone in this film industry and especially be the champion for indie filmmakers the local voice of the dmv kevin <laughs> sampson yes sir all right this is going to be hell trying to get this down to 30 minutes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the show is recorded at arlington independent media check out arlingtonmedia.org this is devin gallagher host of media on the radio and thanks for listening 